This is Comics Coast to Coast. Everybody, this is Brian Dunaway, and you're listening to Comics Coast to Coast, episode 333, 333, the Anthony Coffee interview. Before we talk to Anthony, let's reach over here and talk to my good buddy Joel Duggan of Starcrossed Online and Forge Publishing, Joel. Hello, oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh, oh. Is that what? No. This will be the, the 333. This will be it's, the first and last time we'll get to do the 333. <laughs> I was about to say, isn't there a special name for this? Is it a palindrome? Is that the same forwards and backwards? Is that, that I, I remember my I, like, I, grade six math correctly? I think you're right, but I think uh, 333, I don't know if that really, I guess, I guess, I, I don't know. That's weird. Well, we're halfway to 666. So hey. ah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not talk about that anymore. Is everything going well? Everything is going well, and I've got something cool to talk about. But at the end of the show. Excellent. Sounds good. And with us as well is Matthew Deshar and Matt DeWad. Matt, how are you? And uh, well, I'm great. And since this is the palindrome episode, I will say Taco Cat. Taco Cat is a perfect palindrome and also delicious. Or is it? I don't know. <laughs> Depends I don't know. on which restaurant you go to, I guess. If it's if it's meant to be cute, I guess so. If it's meant to be accurate. I guess not. So, anywho, <laughs> welcome to the show, Anthony Coffey. How are you, good sir? I'm doing quite well. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Dear viewer, listener, if you are listening, head on over to anthonyscoffee.com, and that coffee is spelled with a C-O-F-F-E-Y, anthonyscoffee.com. Check out this artwork. It is fantastic. Anthony, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? And what you do? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm an artist, uh, illustrator, 3D modeler, uh, animator. <laughs> Pretty much do a lot of it and everything. Uh, wear a lot of hats. But right now, currently, I'm working at Certified Ball Studios as an artist slash game designer. Uh, that's a new venture that's been going on for about a year and a half. That is great. So now, is it's a new adventure for you or is it a new adventure for everyone? Is it a whole brand new company? Um, it's newer, but it's, right. it's newer for me. Uh, they've been around for, uh, maybe three years. Right. Hey, yeah. Hey, it's the, it's the internet age. Things come fast. It, so three that's years, right. is, <laughs> three years you're proven there. So, so tell, <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about certifiable, certifiable studios, uh, and what you do there? Uh, yeah. So it's a tabletop gaming company. Um, slash uh kind of whatever whatever we want to really venture into is why it's studios um but we mainly focus on tabletop games board games card games uh things of that nature right um and uh i with um a handful of other people will we work on designing and releasing the tabletop games uh we the format is a kickstarter format Mm. for the most part at this time so we will release crowdfunding projects uh, but for the most part here, I will uh, illustrate, uh, design game mechanics, um, create rule books, graphic design, uh, inserts for boxes, you know, AutoCAD <laughs> modeling, stuff like that. So it, it really is. It's a smaller company, so it's as many hats as you can wear. Right. But it sounds like they're keeping you super busy. I'm on the website right now, and I'm assuming most of this art is yours, certifiablestudios.com. I'm seeing. Oh, that might be that might be new. I didn't know that was up. <laughs> oh well, guess what? They got your work out there. It looks good. 
But uh, yes, certifiablestudios.com is, is the place to go to check <laughs> us out. And I, I see right there on the front page, you were talking about uh, some of these Kickstarter projects. Uh, you recently had one successfully fund called Who Goes There? Uh, yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because it looks interesting to me because I'm a little bit of a uh, mm, horror fan. I kind of like scary yeah. stuff. And if it's, yeah. if it's cute and creepy, even better. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's um, it's a paranoia. It's a cooperative game until the paranoia sets in. You know, everybody <laughs> kind of starts on the same team and then it's a survival game. Right. Um, which while you're going through the game searching for the elements you need to escape, you come across potentially the thing. It's it's based off of the book Who Goes There, which was uh, oh. the inspiration for the movie The Thing. Right. Oh, yeah, so that's we, right. Yeah. Yeah. So we got the rights to the book. Uh, what? And it was so closely tied to um, the well, the the license of the book. Sorry, uh, right, but right. it was so closely tied to the the movie that it was it was pretty much a one to one. So it you know we could get away with a lot of things that were similar to the movie because they were described in such detail in the book that way. Right. Um, that, but that, yeah, so that just ratcheted my interest level up about <laughs> two million percent because I love. First of all, I love the thing, the movie. I have never yeah. read the book. I. I do remember it being based on a book and that is, that is great. I, I got to play it now. So if I, yeah. so if you're into it, tabletop games, it's, it's, yeah. it's a fun one. It, it is. Now, am it's, I, uh, am I too late? Have I missed the Kickstarter? Do I, what do I need to do? No, uh, you could actually go to the, um, Kickstarter page and do a late pledge or right, right. it will be in retail, um, in the next couple of months. Uh, it's still being shipped at the moment. So it's in, it's overseas right now. It's on right. the boat. It's on the boat and from, <laughs> yeah. from, from China, and it's gonna exactly. be a while. So I, yeah. I actually re I read uh, somewhere that that you take care of some of that stuff too. You you work with the uh, you work with the people overseas too to make sure they they get it right. Which uh, yes, there is. There's a lot of back and forth with uh, the factory that we deal with. Um, right, right. There are some other uh, companies that will be a little bit more of a middleman that you can deal with. But uh, we did that with the previous game, and this one we went more uh, directly towards the factory and just you know you you contact them daily. You're you're mm -hmm. constantly uh, checking product. You're uh, getting samples. You're saying yeah, this looks good. No, this doesn't. Uh, you know what do I need to adjust on my end? You start getting samples and being able to gauge what needs to be adjusted to help make the final product. Right. So, now, do you find that, that that helps with your timeline, given the, I mean, I can only imagine the time sink that that involves. I mean, good to have that control, but is it is it a trade-off? Do you find that it's, it's beneficial to do that versus having a, a go-between company that, that does that for you? If if you're able to do it, yes, very much so, I would say do it. Mm. Uh, the, that part of the aspect, aside from uh, logistical stuff like shipping and, uh, you know, all the business side of it, mm -hmm. but from the production side and the uh, creation side, if you can directly deal with them and you know you have fairly good communication skills of being able to interpret what you're trying to say, then yes, it's 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 much better than just because if you go through a middleman, they're basically doing what you would be doing, and then but now there's a whole nother layer of communication that needs to be right, uh, right. sent across accurately. Wow. Mm. Yeah, I for me, I think that separating the business and the production side makes a lot of sense. Like you'd want more hands-on for art and game pieces and product design, 
But when it comes to shipping and stuff like that, it's like, well, dates and numbers are dates and numbers. Like there's not a whole lot that can be lost in communication there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there, there is a lot of stuff, obviously, that goes into like organizing, uh, you know, the, the freighting and all the stuff and just getting it on uh, cart crates. And I mean, just so many things that just aren't related to the production aspect. But right. we have uh, another guy here that mainly handles with that. Good, because the artist, he's, it's, oh, you know, I've worked at a lot of small shops and I know what it's like to wear the, the mini hats and uh, yeah. It's always a tough balance, especially if you're working between you know your, your right brain and your left brain, and you're having to switch gears constantly. It's like, okay, I need to do something creative now, and now I've got to go talk to the shipping people. <laughs> exactly. I don't want to. I like exactly. I like doing artwork, but I bet you have a lot more freedom on your own uh, on what gets done, and and uh, it's like, oh, I think it should. Can you can you push projects a little bit in the direction you kind of want a little bit? You get to put your vision into it a little bit, kind of. Oh, 100%. And that's, I I think that's the major draw of working in a smaller company. Right. You have more agency over what you're creating. That's great. Hey, I'm looking at this Kickstarter and I did not, I had, I have, we've, we've talked to a lot of people who've Kickstarter projects over the years. uh, Mm. And I, this is the first time I've seen where even after the Kickstarting project has finished, you can actually keep on, uh, keep on pledging so uh, so is this like a is this outside of kickstarter that i can pre-order this or is it is it actually built into it is there a service uh that's beyond that or do you yeah. even know uh i'm not 100 sure i do know it's still tied to kickstarter but right. because there's a certain point where we can close the the late pledges right um because hmm. afterwards it's just it's you can keep it open as long as you want to still um have people order uh, right. obviously we've already got our numbers of what we need to and then the amount of money to produce the quantity of units that we initially planned but we still have obviously leftovers that are for sale so you can still just go there and still basically order the uh the, the inventory if you want it or not or if you want to try and get a late copy right i've just been educated i did not know that does yes. does the name backer kit ring a bell hmm. yes okay. I, I don't I, I thought that's tied to kickstarter it may not be well, it it's a separate a party. It's a separate company, but they they offer a, a service that's tied to Kickstarter. They essentially manage your reward fulfillment mm-hmm. uh, data. That's uh, I used it for gotcha. um, publishing Piper's book. Um, but I think what might be misleading, uh, Brian, is is maybe the what's what the text is on the button. I've never heard <laughs> it called a. I've never heard it called a late pledge though. It's brilliant. Like it's. Okay. it's because because you're still doing exactly what the Kickstarter set out to do. Like you're still mm-hmm. backing a small company on a small project. You're yes. just instead of backing the Kickstarter, which has got a finite end, you're now just backing the project at large. And, mm-hmm. have, you know, it's a, it's akin to when we did a pre-order for Piper's book a month before it came out. Like we just, you know, we're looking to, to see who would be interested in getting the book ahead of time, have a little bit of promo in there. Um, but we did that through through Backerkit. Uh, I nice. think that... Um, if I was to bet, I would say it's probably just a, a different way of, of wording that button that says, you know, instead of pre-order, it says late pledge, right. which I, it's, again, really smart. Smart. Yeah. Smart for those art- artistic creators out there who are trying to look at Kickstarter. I like it. Now, before you tune out and go, man, you guys do nothing but talking business. I'm here for the, <laughs> I'm here for the artwork. 
So uh, right. right. So we're gonna we're gonna ask that question, that age old question that every artist loves to hear. Talk about oh, your in, talk about your inspirations. What do you love art wise? Not I don't want to know like what inspired you. Like oh, I used to read so and so, and they were fantastic. You can use that answer, but you don't have to answer in that <laughs> form. Uh, so what do you what do you like art wise when you consume? What makes you go wow? I want to do that, but in my own way. Is there anything out there that's kind of like uh, got you geared up? Yeah, it's usually, uh, I mean, obviously Instagram is my number one go-to for inspiration, but uh, typically uh, I'm character-driven, so I, I love seeing people do stylized characters, and um, I'm not a, you know, I understand the benefit of it for learning purposes and educational stuff, but I'm not a huge fan of, like, realism. Right. Uh, I, I love whenever you see somebody do a very amazing stylized character that you're just like oh you know it just it makes me want to try something like that and and even if it's not using everything you know a character's face the way they did but you know certain shapes and and language they'll use in their line work that's like well i want to try that but i'll use it here and there right in completely different aspects it's just certain things will inspire you that you know you wouldn't think of it's not the entire drawing it's like oh i like the way he drew that boot you know yes. <laughs> it's something so vague but that, yet that boot looks like it has it. hair on it. I want to draw it like that. Yeah, exactly. It's some something so small in any little piece could inspire me and be like, oh, wow, you know, I just I, I like the way they did that. Now, can I draw a character that has something like that? <laughs> I, well, I love so. your character design, especially and I, I throughout everything you've done. But I'm really digging uh, who goes there. And I really love this. Oh, I love this work. It kind of reminds me of just. Oh man, I don't know. It it kind of has a little bit of eighties and nineties vibe to it. it <laughs> yeah, I, it just I just I feel a little bit of that. Maybe that's just me. Or are you a eighties nineties kind of kid? Oh dear God, yeah, I was. Yeah. Uh, you know, grew up with Transformers, Ninja Turtles, all that stuff. And it's yeah. just it, it shows through. Yes, um, it does. <laughs> by has, any means, has anybody the real Ghostbusters? Right. The, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Got to have the except real for the later episodes. <laughs> well, yes, yeah. <laughs> I love them all equally. That's just me. It, I yeah. watch, but I watch a lot of junk. Hey, so it, is anybody doing it right? Is anybody recreating uh, that '80s '90s nostalgia, like the the more recent Turtles movies, or is there any like uh, anything that's um, really got you excited? Like maybe the most recent. Um, oh, what are, what are they doing on Netflix? They're doing uh, they're doing Thundercats, and they're doing uh, what did they just reboot? Yeah, Thundercats is Cartoon Network. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. Cartoon Network. Get it right, Brian. <laughs> don't send uh, the emails Netflix Netflix. Voltron, I think, is Voltron. Yeah. that's what oh, I was thinking of yeah. I, I was never into Voltron when I was younger but uh, I definitely love the new series that they have going on Netflix yeah. complete it. tangent they just released uh, Lego Voltron today what really yeah. <laughs> it's like 2300 pieces or something it's crazy now oh, which which one is that is that which phase of Voltron is that? Is that the cats oh, no, it's, or is it's, that the it's cars? The, it's the li it's the full line of Voltron. You can you make all five cats out of Lego and then they combine into Voltron. That oh, sounds amazing. I'm ordering it now. So I was actually th thinking about <laughs> the the new Thundercats. What uh, is that? The one everybody was up in arms because they're like, oh, it's too yes. cute. It's too. It's divisive. Yeah. Oh. yeah. It's yeah. Well, yeah. We'll see. We'll yeah. See. I, have we talked about that on the show before? I don't no. Know. Matt, have you seen the the trailers or the, the the idea for the new Thundercats? 
I'm actually looking it up on Google Images as you guys speak. Oh, that's yeah. the one that has the uh, very stylistic approach. Yes. It's the one that looks like everything else that Cartoon Network does. Right, all the Adventure Time, uh, yeah. Steven Universe, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. There was a... Oh. There was a, there was a, yeah. <laughs> Matt, yes. just, okay. Matt just echoed what the internet said when most of us saw it. Ah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. One of, the that, one of the things that I think sums it up and why people are so up in arms about it, if you dig down deep, yeah. a lot of the people that are artists, uh, there was one, I don't remember who it was, and I wouldn't call them out on the show anyway, but he was complaining about it. And then he, he communicated a story where he didn't get a job on a show. Because he essentially was too good at drawing. Yes. They're like, no, you're, we're looking for this. And he's like, I, but I, and for whatever reason, probably, I don't know, like the rest of us, the guy has standards and he just, he didn't <laughs> want to draw like that. Or he, right. like he was pushing for a different style. And he's like, I didn't go to school and, and work on my craft for 10, 12 years and put in my 10,000 hours so I could draw this. You know? Right. And he was saying, like, there's this uh, unfortunate trend right now with the the stylized look that they're looking for people. And I I don't I want to be very careful. I don't want to say that it's you're not skilled in order to draw like they are drawing the new Thundercats. Like mm -hmm. there's a, it's a style. It's a simplified um, style. Yeah, simplified. But I think I think that's one of the reasons why people are upset is because like Thundercats were cool. Yes. Yeah. It, and and this it doesn't matter. I mean, you don't know whether it's going to be a hilarious show. It could be very well written. No one knows, but it does not look cool in the way that Transformers and GI Joe and He Man in your mind when you were a kid were cool. And I think yeah. that's the I think that's the big the big drop that people aren't really really grasping. What? Right? Like why why do you have to tie Thundercats to that? Just have a show that's similarly some, written and everything right exactly yeah like make something brand new and call it i don't know gumball cats nah, or, like, yeah. but like, but did i mean i but did they joel duggan right there like, right. You know, like, like that's the kind of thing like you just you, the only only reason that you're taking that ip is because it's available and you're trying to cash in on nostalgia and i and the difference is that all the people that are old enough to remember that show don't necessarily love these new cartoons that are made for eight-year-olds. Right. You know, I, you know I, gonna... I, I, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to flip it on the other side and go, I'm going to defend just a little bit because you know, somebody's got to do it. Okay. So <laughs> we, we already, we already had the Thundercats 2011 also cartoon network. Right. And it was, yes. it looks beautiful. It was, yep. I, I thought it was well in the spirit of the original, but with a modern take. Uh, yeah. So I, you know, I'm of the I'm of the attitude. So what? So what? Do it. I don't care. You want to mess up Star Wars for people of my age? I don't care. Just go for it. Wipe it out. Who cares? I don't know. We I think we hold on to that stuff a little too dearly sometimes. But uh, yeah, that's my. Anthony, advocate. I know that. I know that you obviously don't work on this show and and you can't speak for it. But do you think or have you seen in, in your work? Uh, this trend of going a, a more simple kind of design style. Do you think it's budgetary? Like, do you think it's just that animation is expensive no matter which way you, you fold it? Yeah, that, I mean, there could be a little of that because, I mean, if by any means, it's always 
the laborious process of doing an animated show. I mean, there's always efficient ways to do things. And that's why I think a lot of the systems in my now have become, you know, puppet animation systems where it's, mm -hmm. you're not really getting the old school ducktails fully animated ooh, ooh. Yeah, cartoons, sorry. you know, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't but, help it. Uh, <laughs> I think it's the usual story of, we want to try to minimize risk and maximize potential return. Yeah. Right. So it's again, all right, how do we cut costs and mm -hmm. at the same time make sure it's something that's going to have a good potential to go ahead? Is it so you right. take a property that people already love right. and then you, you snip out all the, you know, all the excess fat. You know? yeah, yeah, if you know what I mean. Hey, uh, also, wouldn't you say today's market is more competitive than anything anyone has ever seen? I mean, oh, no doubt. Oh, yeah, for sure. It is the nightmare right now. I mean, let's face it, Joel. I mean, when, when they were making He-Man, who were they competing against? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I, no, no one. one. And and I think the other thing, too, is that there's a dangerous cycle with this kind of stuff. Because I, I recently spent some time with some friends that work in animation around here in the city. I used to years ago, almost 10 years ago now. And the workload, the story of the work projects, and the pay hasn't changed. No. So mm -hmm. people are still jamming out as much as they can. Revisions are still coming in from three different places when they shouldn't, you know, and, and the, the hours and the time that you put in are still climbing yet. There's been no pay increase. Right. And what's happening now is that studio execs in just as a blanket kind of statement are able to get more out of the animators per show. If, they dumb down the designs if they do the, you know, um, like you said, Anthony, the puppeting kind yeah. of um, animation. And it, it doesn't it doesn't lighten the day for the animator. The studios just go, oh, well, instead of, you know, 15 or 20 seconds a week with, you know, ducktails, we're just going to get you to do a minute and a half. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> precisely you know it uh it, it's it's frustrating to watch from the outside because i've got friends that work in the industry around here and it's just it's it's tough because you can you burn out quick yeah anthony yeah. you're you're just leaving the uh, more of an animation role right you were your previous job had a lot more animation involved uh it, it did i was i was a animator for um a software company that mm -hmm. created a reading program for kids. So, you know, I wasn't actually in uh, the entertainment industry per se, but I, yeah, I was, I was an animator and we worked in traditional um, animation and then we switched to digital and used Toon Boom, but it was still, you know, it was a frame by frame animation that right, we right. process we would use. So yeah, that, that, that was a, a bit of a change of pace hey, coming from that. Speaking of <laughs> speaking of uh, from the from the educational background, I've been doing a little bit of uh, just digging around because I've been feeling nostalgic for some seventies and eighties commercialism and activism aimed at my <laughs> childhood, uh, specifically right. through cartoons and TV. Grew up during seventies and eighties, so it was very often that I would be on ABC, uh, well known for dealing with Disney many years ago. And they used to have uh, they used to have these little segments in between shows called uh, and I don't know exactly what they're called, but they always said this character named Time for Timer. And yeah. uh, this little weird blob looking thing from the late 70s would come on and tell me how I was supposed to sing a song like, hey, if you're hankering for a hunk of cheese and he would just <laughs> he would go off and tell me, you know, if you're if you're really hankering for this or that. Don't starve yourself. Go out and get some cheese. That was kind of his thing. Uh, 
Well, but what I really wanted was some Captain Crunch. But uh, time for time for timer. He was he was all right. Did you grow up with that that those kind of guys that that kind of commercialism and activism going on during that time? Oh yeah, for sure. I I remember the uh, old hankering for a hunka. Hankering, <laughs> and then uh, you know any of the Sesame Street PBS ones. I always remember. I don't even remember the name, but I always remember something with a, a little detective that would walk and he was on a glass and he right. would. Uh, you know, he would be going through the kitchen and going through cupboards, but it was all that stop motion animation that they would do. I think, I think it was a, a, a Sesame Street thing, right? But then all the super guy was that him? He, I think, I think that was it. It sounds right. Yeah. Um. But you know, then all that stuff with the Captain Crunch and uh, oh my tricks and all those cartoon commercials that were just so epically done back in the day. So yeah. it it was such a different once I, I think this kind of ties into our conversation about uh the, the fractured market this this come about uh just because mostly because of the internet. Uh when we were growing up, there was it was there was one place to go get your entertainment, and that was the boob right. the boob tube. Well, you could do exactly. comics and stuff, but if you wanted to do anything like animation, you'd have to go to the boob tube. And uh it was very specific programming. And uh, I just as I've gotten older, especially in the last couple of years, I've just looked back and went, man, they were just, we just let those big corporate conglomerations just, just sit there and preach to us as kids because we were, <laughs> I was a latchkey kid. So I spent a lot of, yeah. you know, a lot of time just me in the tube and, yeah. uh, and just, oh man, the stuff they, they were feeding into my brain. And even today I'm still hooked on stupid stuff like Captain Crunch. I mean. I was eating some. <laughs> I was eating some yesterday, and uh, I'm like, man, this is like the least healthiest thing you could ever do, <laughs> ever. They they knew how to target the parents' wallets. They did, and then I was, <laughs> but that's where I started. I was like, I was getting almost kind of mad. I was like, oh, stupid people. <laughs> we were just kids, and they were taking advantage of us. And I was like, but you know, there was some good stuff. There was like time for timer, and that's the kind of stuff that really stuck with me. You know how a, you know how a bill becomes a law, and. And all these yeah. things I learned, and I'm like, wait a minute, time for timer. He was always pushing cheese. Was he being backed by the big <laughs> cheese, the big cheese companies? And so I'm a little cynical. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what, oh, it, just anybody got like a, something that's stuck in their head all the time? Cause I got that hun hankering for a hunk of cheese in my head. I mean, like almost every day, I'll, I'll, you know, if I get hungry, it's just like, uh, I'll have to be hankering for a hunk of something. Hunk, that's hunk funny. Of something. I'm not sure why, but the other day, the, the little interstitial animations for Saturday morning popped into my head, you know, mm -hmm. after these messages we will be mm -hmm. right back. Oh, yeah, and they, yeah. they always sang it. And there was like this, I can't remember what kind of monster he was. He was a green monster with big eyes on stocks. Right. And he was, it was, it was stop motion. And he and his buddies oh. would always have some sort of weird fight. And it was all just about like, don't go away. There's going to be, there's commercials, but we're going yeah. to be, you know, that back was, with DuckTales or whatever. But was it, wasn't that one of their uh, series? It was, uh, it was like Claymation. Eventually, yeah. It was a Claymation thing. It got picked thing. up as a yeah. series. Yeah. It, it, yeah. it got picked up as a series later, but I don't remember what it was called. It's interesting. That was probably, that was probably just an artist. That was a time when independent artists could come along and create stupid stuff like Beavis and Butthead and these yeah. little, that's where you would go. You would go like the, to, to commercials, like either on MTV or ABC. That was, that was like more like late nineties, right? Or mid nineties. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, that's how you would, that's yeah. how you'd make it. <laughs> I would and now, and now they have YouTube. Now they yeah. got YouTubes. YouTube. Speaking of which animation, one last question on animation. Now I'll, I'll drop it. <laughs> so Anthony. Yeah. You have a, you have some, you have Vimeo and YouTube. How does an artist decide? 
Who, who, which way to go? Both. Both? <laughs> All right. I, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I just, it was literally, I haven't used it a lot recently, just for sheer reasons of I didn't need it. But when I was posting a lot, it was a matter of both. If you can, both mm-hmm. get them out everywhere. But I, I do think YouTube is a little more popular i would guess oh, you would say it just depends absolutely. on what you're looking for but it just seems like youtube is the <laughs> the, the more go-to place in my uh, yeah i i regardless. feel like just just for my lay per- person's idea i feel like vimeo is a, a fancy place that you know you you, right. you you're not ashamed to show your art friends it's like hey i posted something cool on vimeo <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you don't really have that ex- you don't really have that kind of excitement for when you post something on youtube it's like i post something on youtube it's there yeah yep. this is just it's just anecdotal but what i see on vimeo is usually either short films or mm. portfolio reels yeah Maybe demo stuff and then anything episodic like you're doing a three episode series or you've got a an ongoing thing youtube mm. tends to be the spot hmm. yeah Interesting. that's all the animation stuff i had i'm done all done. <laughs> Stick a fork in him. Uh, well, when I was going over your your portfolio, Anthony, something that kind of struck me that I wanted to ask you about was that I I picked up on I want to say like three distinctive styles in terms mm. of a combination of both like drawing style, but also like content in terms of like being more kid friendly versus being maybe aimed a little bit more adult, like the the stuff from your um, Who Goes There board game and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, and I was wondering, like, is that something that you did intentionally or was it just kind of like how the, the, the chips fell? I think I think a lot of it is kind of how the chips fell. It, it slowly developed that way. Like I, I'll have a, you know, I'll have a f- more fun free uh, just style when I'm trying to do something more uh, edgy. And then uh, it's sometimes if I know I'm doing um and it's 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 process related too. Like if if it's if I'm drawing a certain comic style, there's always a a go to uh, line approach I use. Uh, the way I ink, the way I color, and then there's am I using a pencil method where because I, I have some some drawings that favor more of that where it's rough and loose. Um, and then yes, definitely if if there's a certain kid drawing style that I'm going towards that has to be a little more. Yeah, for a little uh, younger age range, maybe it'll it'll lean to a certain way. And I don't even think a lot of it is conscious. I just know it's like I know what I'm trying to shoot for in the target, and it kind of ends up just going towards that style naturally. Mm. Right, right. I like that. So there's not a whole lot of it that's actually conscious. It's it's uh, knowing my end goal is conscious, but right. after that, it it's kind of naturally what my hand will go in that direction. It's good to have the ability to to kind of flip, flip between the styles like that. Yeah. That's good. It, it it it'll it'll serve you well. So are you yeah. are you all digital now, or does the star of the this part of the process still reside in the really real world of physical mediums? Um, I'm I'm more favorable to digital when I know I'm putting out something polished. Right. Uh, I I have my sketchbook where I'll, I'll doodle and sketch, but very rarely will I ever um, transition that to a final piece. Right. Uh, I, I won't sketch something, scan it in, and then clean it up. I'll, I'll sketch out ideas, and then if I like that direction, then I'll take it digital. Or I literally will start all digital. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's actually kind of easier with, with the tools because you can, you can manipulate things a little easier during the rough stage. 
Right. Speaking of tools, uh, we've talked to a lot of artists recently who have been uh, kind of moving towards the iPad Pros, but I know a lot of artists still use the, the Wacom tablets. And mm-hmm. uh, some are even using their own little, you know, Ape Tech and all these these non-mainstream uh, tablets. What what do you use mostly? Uh, I I wanted to try the iPad. Uh, mm-hmm. I know a few people who had the the new big one with the pencil, and then I've nice. I've tried it out. Uh, I was trying it out back when iPad was closer to being uh, newer, and it had and the styluses were just starting to be <laughs> used on iPads. But at that point, it was. It felt so much like I was trying to imitate what I would do on a desktop with my Wacom right. uh, that that I was it felt like I was trying to make it work versus um, just because I have a companion. Uh, I bought mm-hmm. one of the first generation ones, and I've just had that one ever since. So, and I even rarely use that one because if I'm going to do any digital drawing, I'm mainly at my computer anyways. It's, right, right. So I I don't uh, I don't do a lot of. Um, uh, travel drawing uh, it's just not my style just only because i can't focus like right. if, if something's going on around me i can't i can't really sit there and focus as much as i need to i've hmm. i've talked about that too and that's uh just recently because i can't draw outside because outside moves too much i need i need right. things to be very still it's just my mind now you said use the uh companion is uh i just got an email like today from from Intuos that they have, a, you, can get a, you can get a refurbished Cintiq Companion 2 Intel Core 512 gigabyte solid state drive for only $800. I thought about that's it. That's not bad. No, it's not bad. It comes with Windows 8 Professional. I hope that's upgradable to 10. I don't know, but that would be the I first so. thing I would do. Yeah. Where do, where does the iPad Pro land? Hopefully. Because you, you can get the 10-inch one, too. I'm curious now. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, I wanted to try that. And, I, and again, it's just a matter of having. Because with the, the pencil now on the iPad, that's that's a game changer. It um, is tight. I just never try. I haven't tried it enough to, to justify it. Spending that money just as a gamble to see if it would work <laughs> for me. I know. And, and your company that you're working for has only been around for about three years. So coming at them going, hey, you know what you should get me? Yeah, not gonna happen. <laughs> right? You know what you should give me right yeah. now? Come on, help me out, buddy. No. Right. This just bundle that into your next Kickstarter. Uh, you yeah. want to see something cool? Uh, pledge uh, X number of dollars, seven ninety nine. <laughs> right. Right. Help me get more work done uh, outside right. of work. <laughs> exactly. Oh man. Oh, speaking of board games, I did want to backtrack just a little bit uh, because when I first, okay, so about maybe five years ago, I noticed that there seemed to be an uptick with people uh, getting interested in board games again. Mm-hmm. And uh, beyond just those, you know, Monopoly and the, you know, the standard family fair that you would have, people were getting into the really serious stuff. And, uh, and I had noticed that all the box art was terrible. I mean, yeah. for years, box art for those, you know, the, those specialty board games were horrible, but now we've, I'm seeing all these great artists uh, that are that you know used to be doing other things in other fields or are kind of migrating a little bit towards there. So if if you're an artist, how does how does an, an aspiring artist go about breaking into the board game biz? Uh, what what have you learned along the way, uh, and maybe what you would do differently? Um, a lot of it is uh, as in with anything, it's a little bit of just falling into it and who you know. Mm, um, yes. But at the same time, because a lot of that work is outsourced. So like in, in our case here at Certifiable, it's a little different because 
uh, we are the designer illustrators and, and things are done in house. So we don't really have the need to outsource for artwork. Um, but most any other publisher in, in any other board game place is is going to be outsourcing artwork because they have a, a log of game designs that are they're trying to push through. And each one is most likely being worked on by different artists at different times. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think I think other than just kind of beaten on the doors in a sense by uh getting in contact, networking, going to any of these board game cons, having a, a portfolio, you know, building up a portfolio is a completely different conversation. But, right. you know, having a portfolio, a strong portfolio and uh, going to any of these places to network, like if, if you want to really meet the people who are behind it, go to these board gaming conventions. A lot of these places are small enough that the people representing at the conventions are the people doing the work. So, you can go to Gen Con or uh, even Essen if you can get in that area. Um, the game companies there are usually the people hiring. You know, they're right, the ones right. that are making the choices. So go present yourself in front of them because because I mean we get present uh, um, approached by people uh, more than not, and we're not you know we're not super popular. But you know you do get those people who are like, oh, I love designing board games, and for the most part, you know the the typical generic response is is kind of like, okay, well, you know, let me see some stuff. Uh, but you nine times out of ten, you'll get surprised by them by like, oh, you know what. Those are some oh, good yeah. ideas, or that's some good artwork. You know, it's like, and all that's all it takes. Or a little bit of a connection. Or Anthony feels a little threatened and says, "Go away. Uh, we don't. <laughs> we, we're we're all full up over here. Get out. Right, right, right. <laughs> Just start pushing them out the door. Right, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. But uh, so, Anthony, did you have? Uh, were you already a board game fanatic? Did you did you like board games before uh, you started working on them, or is, has it has your love increased? Because you're working on them, or are you just so sick of board games now? It's just like, I don't know. <laughs> no, I, actually, it was, uh, it, it, I kind of fell into it. Uh, right. I, I wasn't, I wasn't the kid that grew, I was the kid that grew up sitting in front of, at, after school, watching mm -hmm. Disney Channel and drawing the characters, watching Ninja Turtles, drawing the characters. That's what I grew up loving is just drawing. Right. Uh, I, I was an only child, so I didn't have a lot of board game experiences. So yeah. I, I didn't really play a lot of board games. Uh, and then recently when I got this job, I started uh, playing more. I started uh, exploring the uh, industry more and, and realizing the the fun actually that's in there and how fun the new board game craze is. Because like you were saying, is uh, board games used to be Monopoly, Trouble, right. you know, stuff like that. Now there's a lot more elaborate board games as the industry is exploding um, and Falling into this, I also found that I, there was an, an interest in creating them as well because it's you're literally creating a problem, a puzzle, and you're you're trying to figure out these systems and mechanics, and it, it becomes this interesting puzzle you have to create before you even do the artwork for it. So, right. you know, getting to do all that is actually I found it being something I was actually interested in that I didn't even realize it. I I I love it. I tell you, I I was. Uh... Like like you said, I, I really didn't. I, I didn't get hardcore. I had a couple of friends who were hardcore into board games, like Settlers of Catan. And I was like, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, that's weird. And but uh, <laughs> but as I've gotten older, and maybe our tastes have changed a little bit. I'm kind of like I I kind of Jones for that that old school, uh, you know, sit down with your friends and play. And and man, you telling that story about not playing board games solo that makes me want to start a new game. Uh, 
uh, for solo games. We need some solo games out there. I'm sure there's oh, tons there's, of them. Yeah, there there's quite a bit of them. Um, but I think with the whole internet age, is right. it's it's kind of like the a cycle. It's like now that online is so, you know, prominent. You know, board games are becoming more popular because it's the opposite now it's the tactile sit down with your friends you know move this piece over here to do this it's not push a button and does it so it's a it's a different experience i think that's coming full circle love it yeah i think we uh we always have a fascination with real physical objects Mm. yeah you know and no sooner do we bring things digital than like you know a few years down the line you find like people respond to it by getting back into the physical like with vinyl i mean yeah. people yeah. came out with mp3s there's no need to own any physical media for that anymore but people just like to have something physical i think yeah for sure speaking of physical i noticed <clears throat> you were doing some sculpture work mm, yes oh, my other love. yes joe had some questions about sculptures i believe and i would like well, to hear it's, them. it's actually one of yeah, it was actually one of the things that prompted me to to reach out to Anthony to have him on the show uh, because I've been wanting to get into sculpture, little things like uh, wanting to sculpt the characters from my comic strip. So when I want to do that upshot that I can't quite figure out how to do, I could just have a sculpture and just look at it at a specific angle and stuff. Uh, what got you into sculpting your cartoon creations? Because it's not it's not different really from from what you're drawing. You can immediately look at one of your sculpture sculptures and go, that's an Anthony drawing, but in the round. (laughs) Right. So what, like what made you go and take that leap? Uh, I think in the initial stages, it was kind of like you were saying is it's just, I I wanted to see my characters in at least the way I thought of them in the, the dimensional form. Uh, And uh, it it is, it is interesting where like, like you're saying is because when I'm drawing them, I'm thinking of them exactly the same way as I'm sculpting them. It's it's they're one and the same. It's just a different medium that I'm using. Uh, and I just I've always been a more uh, form oriented. Like I'm always thinking of the shapes of how these things look in real digital form or in my head. You know what I mean? It's uh, um, it's it's always nice to actually feel them because I, I like my drawings to for the most part, feel like I could pick it up and it's a toy. It's just being mm-hmm. rendered. Um, so being able to sculpting them just gave me that aspect where I, I like to have a physical form of this creation. And it was, you know, it was uh, tactile. So mm-hmm. that was always another plus. Like I, I, I like that crafty side sometimes where it's not, I'm just drawing on paper. It's I'm creating something. I'm being creative and actually creating something tangible and physical. So yeah, we scratched that itch. With drawing, you're essentially creating the illusion of space and form and weight yeah. and light and shadow. But when you've sculpted something, you just put it on the desk and all those things are taken <laughs> care of. Yeah. Look at the lighting. Yeah. The lighting's working so well. It's the uh, <laughs> world. Physics, well. Brian, because physics. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're looking to get into sculpture, like you've been a digital artist your whole life or, you're, or you're, you've always been drawing, but you're looking at some of these sculptures and stuff like that and you want to get into it. Like I've always found it a bit daunting and much like everything else these days, like you go to say like, hmm, how do I get into sculpture? And the internet gives you like 8,000 different, you know, avenues to take. What yeah. would you recommend for resources and materials for someone that wants to just dabble, like maybe not make a leap, but just kind of want to, wants to mess around? Um, my, my go-to when I was starting, my go-to was, uh, 
uh, Noman Workshop. They they have mm. tutorial DVDs and and things like that, and they had a, a series on sculpting that I I followed. Uh, they've got now, you know, countless more videos on it, and all of them are good. Um, but other than that, my go-to place for learning anything nowadays is is YouTube. Honestly, yeah, yeah. Uh, just find a find a an artist or somebody with a video that has the style you're looking for and interested in, and just follow their process. You know, some of them are going to be better instructors than others, but that that is definitely my go-to place for uh, learning anything. Have you tried anything on on Gumroad at all? Uh, I do have actually a couple of Gumroad things too, so so that is another good source uh, is Gumroad. Um, trying to think of others, I, it, some artists that I follow will you know have Patreons and stuff like that that I'll I'll try and buy videos from them. Mm-hmm. Um, for the most part, yeah, it's just uh, find something in somebody you like that's doing it, and if they do tutorials, they, that that's where I'll go instantly. Yeah. No. Was it? Did the tutorials kind of give you some some sculpting materials to start off with as well? Uh, in the for the physical form, uh, like uh, clay and stuff, the Noman DVDs. Yeah, they. I would follow those step by step, and they would take you from creating armatures to the clay you need to use and how you need to manipulate it. And once you get comfortable with it, then you can start finding how to work it your way. Right. Uh, digitally, um, I, I just use I use ZBrush digitally. Yes. Uh, and that one, that one was not horribly hard to learn. Mm-hmm. I, I know it does have a, a learning curve. Everybody is always talking about the, the interface, but I, I find it completely intuitive. And it didn't take long to learn. And I, I learned that one from just a couple of tutorial videos, YouTube, just constantly watching uh, how tos on on how to just basics in the program. And then, you know, once you use it more and more, you just, you build up a repertoire of, of knowing, okay, this is how I can do this. I don't need, I only need 20% of the tools, right? but I know what I need. So I, I thought yeah. it was, I thought it was a pretty intuitive, uh, as well. And I don't know if that's because of previous tools I've used that made it make sense. I found it easy to jump in. I found it very hard to master everything for like, yes. well, for like everything <laughs> yes. for like blobs. Way to go yeah. blobs. I made some blobs. It's easy to get started. Yeah, easy to get started for most of us. I think that's something that's hard to accept, too, when you're getting into digital art, because some of the programs that are the best to use, they feel overwhelming because they're either meant to do something else or the style that you're working in just requires so little of the program. Photoshop is a great example. I have seen some people do magical things Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with Photoshop to photos underexposed photos and stuff. Now, it doesn't necessarily look like a real photo because it's been so heavily manipulated, but it goes from being an unusable piece of crap to <laughs> actually that would make a really cool poster or something. Yeah. And but I don't use Photoshop for that. I use it to draw. Like I it, I use it for something it was absolutely not intended for when it was designed originally. Uh and I think that that's the same sort of thing with with ZBrush. Like ZBrush is something that can make the kind of monsters that you see in Avengers movies. Mm-hmm. But if you're making cartoon rabbits and moles and bunnies and stuff, then you're only going to need 20%, which feels weird. Like, you know, you've got this great big powerhouse software and you're just like, yep, I'm going to make uh, blobs and put, you know, carrot tails on them and stuff. Like, I feel like it, it's one of those things that it, it plays with your, like your artistic value system. Like he's like, this thing could make like the most realistic Thing ever so you want it to be perfect when you realize no I, I i'm a cartoonist like i should just work with simple shapes and edges and mm-hmm. 
and that sort of stuff. I have I have trouble with that when I go to try to learn and do painting stuff in Photoshop. I'm such a line guy right. that when I go to do painting, like I I keep on wanting it to be super Photoshoppy, you know, yeah. and, and realistic looking. It's like, well, no, like if I can find a way to make it look like messy paint on canvas, that's ultimately what I want. But I end, it ends up taking me forever because I start noodling around with something that doesn't matter or goes against what my end goal is. Do you ever find yourself in, in digital uh, sculpting, like getting too pulled into being able to like zoom in and see the folds in a scarf and like get into those kind of details when you, when you really shouldn't, because the thing when it is done is only like, you know, an inch tall. Oh yeah. By for sure. Cause I, I've got constant, like, like the, the board game pieces I did for uh, who goes there. It was a prime example where once they're completely done and printed and molded, you know, they're what two inches tall but as you're sculpting them, I'm in there like doing folds under the eyes and stuff like that. It's like, well, I have all this stuff. I, I need to have it in there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, no, no. You have to you literally have to consciously pull yourself back and say, OK, what is my final goal? Where is this going to be live? You know, after yeah. that, you don't you don't need uh, all the texture and tools and stuff if you can get it done in half the time. And it's just as good. <laughs> nice. You ever yeah. you ever waste you... the whole day with uh, with your little 3D printer there? Yeah, just. Oh, just yeah, <laughs> blow, just blow the whole day. Ah, just, I, I was supposed oh, to do. Yeah. So, I was supposed to do some work today. I guess I did this instead. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll <laughs> pump out some prototypes and right. sculpt them and then print them. And yeah, it's it's definitely so will fun. be a time suck. Yeah, is that is that uh, the the company's form lab in that in uh, printer there, or is that is that your personal Anthony Anthony Coffee? No, for <laughs> that is the company's. But you know, I will I will. By all means, buy myself my my own set of resin and stuff like right, that, so right. I can print as We're much not as a, I need. I'm not saying you're a leech. I'm saying you know you're gonna <laughs> yeah. make use of the. <laughs> you're gonna make use oh, of yeah, what you got, sure. right? Heck yeah, for sure. It's there. I'll I'll I'll, I'll dig, utilize it. <laughs> dig Skippy, I love it. I love those things. I I would love to have this particular one you have. Are you pretty happy with the? It looks like it's a Form Labs. Uh, what model is that? I'm a nerd. It's a form a form two. Ah, form two, excellent. It, it it works and does everything you had hoped it would do. It, it does by every oh. you know step of the imagination. It's just I I was never a big fan of the um uh extrusion yeah. printers. Yeah. Where you could see all the stair stepping and and yeah. this one with the the SLA printing was just so crisp. I was like, okay, well that's that's a go to. I mean, I, it may cost a little more, but. Mm-hmm. In this case, you get what you pay for. It looks good. I, if if you're look, if you want to see what Anthony's done here with this Form Labs, uh, head on over to his Instagram. Uh, if you haven't followed him on Instagram, that's the place to be because man, he's got some followers on there. So Instagram.com <laughs> forward slash Anthony Scott with one T Coffee, and that's E Y. So uh, check out that on Instagram, and you'll see some of his uh, some of his forms there i am digging them that is a lot of fun the reason why i asked if you uh wasted a whole day is i could just see myself just wasting a whole day two days oh, a yeah. week well some of marnie isn't even intentional some of it's like well crap that print failed or right, you know right. i didn't set that up right or, or right. you know we how, need to make this revision how long how long in general uh for an object one inch by one inch does it or two inch probably by two inch how long how long does it take for that thing to spit something out? Um, it'll it'll probably like the figures I could print out a prototype in about uh, eight hours. Right, right. May, maybe 
maybe five if I did low low resolution. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty quick. Yeah. Neat. Needy. Sorry, Joel. Oh, I didn't yeah. mean to interrupt your sculpting questions. Do you have? Did you have any sculpting <laughs> questions? No. Yeah, that, you, that was that was my next question. Oh, good. Good. Woo. <laughs> Good, because you know Brian what? doesn't steal questions. It's I don't steal questions. I make my own questions, and then I buy my own resin. Great res- minds think alike. Right. And then I buy my own resin and use the company printer. Leave me alone. <laughs> anyway, Anthony, uh, we are we are, we are are nearing the end of the show here. I didn't get to ask all the questions. I had some questions about a few other things, but we want to respect your time, and thank you for the time that you have taken. Uh, we do have one final question before we leave. Matt is traditionally asked this question so we're going to pass it to matt all right yes we do so yeah anthony uh who are some artists we really need to know about and follow them Mm, uh some of my go-tos i like to follow on um instagram or my go-to is uh uh i like a guy called eduardo vieira oh yeah um, yeah, we've had him on sure. the show, I think. Yeah, I think Have so, you? too. Yeah. Oh, I love his style. Uh, he's one of my favorites. Um, also, Cam Kindle. Oh, yes. With? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we've had him guy. on the show, too, haven't we? Yes, we Very have. Very nice. Um, we... Sean Bryant? Nope. Ooh, nope. Not familiar with Sean. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Let's, 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 let's look that up. Is it B-R-I-A-N-T? Uh, B-R-Y-A-N-T. Y. Yeah. yeah. Y. And S H A U N, but he's a viz dev guy at DreamWorks. Ooh, he's got yeah. some interesting character designs. Um, there's a there's a guy I follow that's uh, Justin Chans. I think he's probably a little younger, maybe just out of school. I don't see a a lot of uh, stuff from him. I think he's new to Instagram as well. No, that's fine. We love we you don't have to have yeah. a you don't have to have a large body of work. We like seeing everything. Yeah, for sure. I, I I dig his stuff that he he's been putting up, and then the the, the old, all the good ones like Eric Canetti, Scotty Young, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cheeks. I, I love Cheeks. Yeah, yeah. And see now, I'm gonna waste the full day <laughs> looking at all oh, these wait. wonderful artists. Hey, man, Scott, it's Anthony. Thank you for being on the show and taking the time to sit down with us. I hate that we didn't get to all the questions, which just means we have to have you back on for a part huh? two uh, that, to follow up. Cool. Yeah, follow up with the next project because you're you're wrapping this one up. I'm assuming you have you have another one uh, that you guys are gotten the gun, just ready to just ready to fire out to Kickstarter any day now, right? Uh, yeah, for sure. We got we got other projects in the work. I don't know about. <laughs> we'd like to get them out sooner than possible, but you know how that works. That's right. That's right. And if you are okay, so don't forget to head over to the official website, anthonyscoffee.com. Check that out. I personally am very excited about uh, late ordering or uh, pre-ordering, however you want to state it. <laughs> Who goes there? This is this is based. This is a board game based on the thing. Uh, yes, that that movie series is based on the book, though, which is tied in very closely story-wise, yep. according to Anthony here. And I love the artwork and the style. Now, did you? There's pieces here. Let's see. I, I I was looking at the game earlier, and it's cards and dice and stuff. Are there any little? Are there any figurines that you've you've uh, prototyped out for this guy, or is there any figurines yet for that? Now, let's uh, say cards, there, there, cards, dice. 
There should be. I don't know if they have pictures of them, but yes, there's uh, nine figures or so that are nice. uh, pawns in the game. Yeah, I sculpted the characters for that. Excellent. So I'm going to have me lots of Anthony coffee this year. <laughs> All right, Anthony. Uh, anything else you want to uh, tell the listeners? Uh, got anything coming up that you, you want to speak to? Um, at the moment, our next Kickstarter is probably going to be within the next couple of months, but it's a, it'll be a game called D6, so it'll be a little D&D-esque game. Um, it's like a, an, it, easiest way to explain it, it's kind of like a, an arcade version of D&D, where, you know, yeah, you, you get down and get the, the feeling of it, but it's a more sit down and, you know, get going. I'm down with that. All right. Thank you, Anthony, <laughs> so much for being on the show. Uh, also want to thank Joel Duggan of Starcross the Line. Joel, thank you. Hey, you're welcome. My pleasure. Excellent. And I, uh, hey, hey, won't won't we? Uh, won't, well, I'll tell you what. When we come back to to the thing you just want to tell us about, because I'm excited about the news. Anthony, do you want to hang around for that, or do you want to, or you got to cut out? No, no, I can hang around. Excellent. Oh, good, good. Uh, so Matthew Desharm, Matt the Wad, Matt, how are you? Just dandy. Where can people uh, visit you? Best place to find my work is right on YouTube. Just do a search for Matt the Wad or Matthew Desharm. Excellent. The Brian Dunaway on Twitter, BrianDunaway.com's website. Hey, Joel, tell us about your news. <laughs> well, it just, just dawned on me that I've got two small bits of news. Uh, the first is that we are at the tail end of a promotion for Piper's book. Mm. There's uh, free prints going out with the softcover and hardcover books at uh, ForgePublishing.com. So if you haven't yet picked up one of Piper's uh, daily paintings books, then there's a little um, free gift with purchase happening there. And the prints are available on their own. Uh, in in the store as well, but that ends on the thirtieth. So depending on when this podcast goes out, there might only be a day Tomorrow. or so left. So check that out. <laughs> uh, and actually, and and on a personal note, my my big kind of flag in the in the cap is a book that I worked on uh, has been released. Uh, our friend Tom Merritt has written a new novel. It's called Gallium. Yes, it's a sci-fi adventure, and uh, I drew the cover. Oh, so uh, yeah, that's that's been out. If you go to TomMerritBooks.com, uh, it is front and center at the top of the page, and there is a number of ways that you can buy it. Whether it's Kindle, Lulu, uh, Barnes and Noble, Apple iBooks, Snook, like whatever you want, um, but you can check that out there. And it's, uh, it's a kind of a fun fun thing for me because I've done some children's covers before, but I've never done uh, a contemporary uh, sci-fi novel. So I'm, I'm thrilled. Plus I've, I've read it. It's a good book. <laughs> so, I, I uh, love the, I love the illustration and yay. Finally get to work for adults. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of it. I know Tom's really happy with it. Uh, and uh, I'd like to, I, I want people to support Tom too, because he's a, he's a good author. He's, yes. <laughs> I mean, he's a friend, but he's, he's a good author. So check it's out Gallium smart. at TomMerrittBooks.com. That Tom Merritt's a smart feller, I'll tell you that right now. I love him. Hey, <laughs> thanks for sharing that with us. It looks amazing. Uh, you can do, follow everything we do on Comics Coast to Coast at on Twitter, Comics C2C, or just go to the website, ComicsCoastToCoast.com. You can get to all the links from there. You can watch these videos. If you're listening to this through a podcast and you're only doing the audio, but you want to see some video of the illustrations and work of our artist, head on over to YouTube. Uh, find my channel, Brian Dunaway. And you will be able to see uh, probably the last 10 episodes of Comics Coast to Coast. Uh, I've been trying to get those out a little earlier, eight hours early to our patrons on patreon.com forward slash comics C to C. If you like to support the show, it's a great way to do it. And also a great way to get the information just a little bit early, like eight hours. 
I mean, you you don't think that's a big deal, but it's it's like a difference between getting it Friday morning and getting to take it with you, and or forgetting and not listening to it till Monday. That sounds hard. That sounds <laughs> terrible. Okay, so that's it. That's it for the show. We'll see you guys next week. Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com.